What's up, audio friends, and welcome to the latest episode of the Abby Khan Show. Today is the first of many casual talk. So this is basically myself and a guest, <coughs> excuse me, are going to be just chatting about casual things. It's going to be very impromptu, it's going to be fun, it's going to be entertaining, it's going to be educational, so you guys really have an exciting show coming ahead. Today, our first reoccurring guest, Mr. Josh Wiggins, who is a good personal friend of mine, are going to be talking about climate change, conspiracy theories, critical thinking, and the problem with our education system. Now, if you are a non-intellect like me, that might sound really boring. However, it is going to be very entertaining. I promise you that Josh has a wealth of knowledge. Uh, So I highly recommend following his journey. All the links and that are going to be in the show notes below to following Josh and his endeavors in this crazy thing that we call life. So without further ado, please enjoy the first casual talk episode with Josh Wiggins. You're listening to The Abby Khan Show, a podcast that inspires people to achieve what they once believed was impossible. My name's Abby Khan. I'm an actor, health and fitness coach, and it is my mission to connect with interesting people, share their stories, find out how they optimize their lives for success, and how you can do the same. Josh Wiggins, welcome back to The Casting Couch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I'm prepared for that. I might just uh, I left something in my car. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I actually got a uh, Facebook notification, I think this morning, one year since the last episode. Is it really? Yeah. Shit. Happy anniversary, my friend. Happy anniversary. You are also the first reoccurring guest uh, on the show. My, I'm honoured. So when, when this, well, eventually when this gets to the Joe Rogan, you know, level yeah. of 100 million for a few years. Yeah. Well, this is the episode to do it, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Spotify. This is like the 30-something episode of audio or whatever it is. How have you been? Very well, thank you. How yeah. about you? I've been good. I've been good, you know. Surviving the coronavirus. Breaking necks and cashing checks. Yeah. Or not cashing checks because corona <laughs> fucks the economy up. Cashless checks. Cashless checks. Well, there you are. It's checks, um, not cash. How, I'm interested. How has the period been for you from a mental capacity perspective i know you're extremely intelligent and your brain is constantly just going um learning absorbing information yeah i had to i had to adjust that's a really good question i had to adjust so prior to (laughs) you you trim your face but you missed loads of hairs in the front so i can see them (laughs) maybe those ones are just rapidly growing That is better proliferating than proliferating hairs. Better the other rest. ones are just like, oh, we'll just hang back a little bit. It's kind of like in a forest how some plants won't grow because they're in the shade of the other plants. That's a good point, yeah. So that's, that's my beard. That's, how big, that's how big those missed hairs are. Um, <laughs> prior to everything shutting down, I was very dependent on exercise for mental health and, and mostly, I should say, gym-related exercise. Um, and that was pretty hard when gym shut down. Um, from a work perspective, obviously coaching in a gym, no longer being able to do that, I was thinking how we, like I, I work mostly online, but how are we going to make income? How am I going to support the family? Um, and, and even working online, nobody wants nutrition and training plans when they can't go to the gym um, or buy the groceries because you know, you're, you're left to buying you know, 500 grams of rice or whatever we're limited to. Um, so from a, from a financial standpoint, at first I was really scared. Um, and, and normally when you are stressed financially, what do you do if you love exercise? You go to the gym and train. Couldn't do that either. So at, at first I was super worried. But then, honestly, within a week or so, just having more time with my family at home, 
more time to go outside and actually, oh, hey, there's the sun there. This is really cool to go and play <laughs> out in the sun. What is that big yeah, ball of fire in the sky? It hurts when you look at it directly. <laughs> um, those sorts of things. Like I started to appreciate um, and be grateful for all of the things that we have that we might miss when, we, when we're so focused and caught up in work or when we go to the gym as an outlet. Um, so it was actually really good. It was transformative, uh, obviously horrific pandemic and a lot of a lot of negatives to take from it. A lot of people lost their lives. But for myself personally, it was very transformational. Um, it improved my relationship with with my own body, with my own exercise regime, with the outdoors, um, and also with my wife and my son just being home more. And um, I knew financially, like eventually things will be okay. So you just got to ride this wave kind of thing. Mm. Um, in terms of study, um, I was able to save a lot of money on petrol because it's no longer driving to campus to be in the lab. Um, a lot of our study was done uh, via like Collaborate and Zoom and, and that sort of stuff. So studying from home was a little bit challenging with a two-year-old running around and, and wanting to... His favourite button is the off button on the computer. So trying to navigate that. But yeah, I would say largely for myself, um, positive. Positive, cool. yeah. And from... A study perspective, obviously the environment being very, very different. Did your technique, I guess, or like the way you were trying to study yeah. change? So I'm studying for those who don't know, I'm doing my, uh, my MSc in physics, so my Master's of Physics at uh, Newcastle University, and a lot of that course is practical in nature. So you have to be in a lab, you have to be watching um, and taking part in experimental procedures. We couldn't do that because you couldn't go to the lab. Uh, there's only about 20 people... 20 to 30 people in my actual program um, but even still that's too many people to have mm. in the lab um, so I missed out on that practical aspect and I am I wouldn't say I'm a, a physical or tactile learner but it does help when you can uh, activate and engage multiple parts of your brain you can think about the theory while you're playing with something um, so I had to change and and become re- less reliant on that tactile and that um, that physical learning and sort of do my best to pay attention and, and keep my awareness on the yeah. instructor because essentially what they were doing was the experiments on the computer and we were watching them and uh, we would get the results and we would draw them up and, and put them in tables and you know compute results and discussions and conclusions and all of that ourselves. but we couldn't actually do the practical component. Mm. Um, I had to become very good at focus and attention because I couldn't go back and do it again later. It, it's, this is the lab and that's it, you, you're logged yeah. off. Um, and I knew that as soon as the lab was finished, so let's say the, the class finished at five o'clock, I knew it was family time. So mm. I wasn't gonna have then time to go to the library like I would at uni and sort of go over what I'd just done and recall what I'd just learned. I had to be so present and aware of everything that we were learning because as soon as it was five o'clock and class was finished, I shut the computer and I'd become a dad again. So I had to take all of that information in without relying on being able to you know, really go back over it later. Yeah. So I think it improved my focus and awareness and not at first, the first couple of weeks of being at home, I was so distracted, but yeah. you just honed that skill mm. after a while. And so it talks to me about, about critical thinking. So it's, it's something I think is, is almost like necessary in a way in, in, in society. I think it will, I at least think it could benefit. Definitely. Um, so, I mean, define what it is, just for the people that may not know, at least your interpretation of it. Yeah, look, there's lots of, if you looked up critical in, uh, thinking definitions online, you'd find at least 30 different definitions, yeah. and they're all, all slight variants. Like, critical's pretty much when Goku does a Kamehameha, it's critically... 
It's powerful. You're critically fucked. <laughs> it's, that's exactly, that would be my definition. Case closed, let's move on to the next question. Um, so for me, it's not just taking things at, at face value. Um, if somebody tells you something, no matter what their position is, it's, it's having a healthy level of open-mindedness and scepticism. So you, you find that delicate, uh, delicate balance and you walk that line. So if my professor was to tell me A equals B, I have the power to say, well, is that true? Does A really equal B? And I can go and do my own research and not just accept that. I think a lot of people now, especially conspiracy theorists going on with coronavirus, they will accuse people of being sheep if they believe what they're told. I don't think that's correct. I think people like to tribalize, but I think you can hear what you're told and you can take it with a grain of salt and then do your own research. So rather than just accept something, you need to be open-minded and skeptical. Do your own research, really think about it. And, and yeah, I think it really comes back to just questioning everything mm. um, and formulating your own viewpoints rather than just accepting somebody else's. To so me, that's critical thinking. I like the definition. It's better than mine, but... Oh, no, yours is much cooler. <laughs> <laughs> so... I think that that being in, uh, coming from uh, the health and fitness industry is something that needs to be expressed much more because we get a lot of people that I guess it, it, they do jump into the, the tribe or the herd mentality and, and hear something like calorie deficit and then everyone jumps on, oh, that's what you need. You just need a calorie deficit. But half these motherfuckers have got no idea what that actually means <laughs> what it actually means and what a calorie actually is and how do we create that what are the different ways to create yeah. a calorie deficit and why we should create a calorie deficit and what are the negative adaptations that are going to occur when creating a calorie yeah, you deficit you can't just go into negative calories when you you know been a deficit for so long mm. and thinking of the fitness industry and training for example is a really good way to think about critical thinking so I've seen uh, even yesterday when I was at the gym there was a personal trainer telling someone um, that when they do a lateral raise, if they have their pinky turned in a certain direction, it's going to hit this part of the muscle. But if they have their thumb turned in another direction, it'll hit this part of the muscle. And that client would have just accepted it because that's what the trainer said. But if you actually critically think, my shoulder does not attach to my pinky or my thumb. So changing where my pinky is or changing where my thumb is has nothing to do with my shoulder. So just putting my thumb up or down is not going to change where that weight influences the growth of my shoulder. Mm -hmm. You're just accepting something that the trainer said yeah. because they're in a position of power in that relationship. Yeah. You trust them, mm. but that's complete bullshit. It, changing my hand around does not influence what part of the muscle I'm going to target. And I think, I think it's um, difficult for, for clients because you are, you are paying this professional. Uh, and I mean, let's be completely honest, like personal trainers aren't really at the top of the health no. and fitness um, profession like where it's a very you know obviously and this is coming from a personal trainer a very low level barrier to entry like it doesn't make you able to um go against say what a gp says or some other sort of phd or a or a medical student or anything of that nature it doesn't make you have the necessary knowledge to go you know what they're wrong i'm right it's just like dude you just got a weekend course yeah like, exactly you got no right to say anything it needs to be lifelong learners and even the the phd student or the doctor or, or whoever someone who's incredibly intelligent they need to keep learning too mm. because uh as much as things do stay the same over periods of time things also develop and we learn more and as we learn more and technology develops and we have new ways of measuring things and targeting things we can change our approach i think we need to have strong convictions that are loosely held and we can change if we we can be malleable and adaptable if something new occurs um something that we can learn a lesson that we can take away then we can constantly grow and develop and i think people should be 
excited to learn more mm. and to have their current philosophies challenged so that, that we can grow. Mm. Unfortunately, the reality of our world is if something challenges us, we fight back against it, um, which that's not conductive, not conducive to growth. Yeah. Do you think we are lazy as a society? Like we essentially just want things put on a plate for, for us sure. and then we, we, we don't ask the necessary questions to go, okay, well, why is that true or why is that maybe not true? Absolutely. I think anything that creates friction, meaning that it requires effort to understand, we're going to pass it off. Mm. It's much easier to fall asleep watching TV than it is to fall asleep reading a book. So what's 90% of the population going to do? They're going to put on the TV. If I want to know the definition of a word, it's so much faster to pick up my phone and Google it than it is to go through a dictionary. However, if I was to take the effort and go through a dictionary, I might find three or four other words that I didn't know and learn four words for the price of one. Mm. It took longer, but now my vocabulary has improved and my, I'm growing, I'm developing mm. cognitively. Whereas if I just pick up a phone, I'm outsourcing my ability to think and look for something to the technology. A lot of people are worried about technology and AI taking over. Stop relying on it for everything. Use your own brain. So I think, yeah, I think that the personal trainer all the way up to, let's say, the, the smartest doctor in the world, if we keep learning, we can give people advice with confidence, knowing that it will do something for them. But if I've just taken the weekend course and then I've watched someone on Instagram that's got a million followers do something, and then I teach that to my client, and I say, this is the best way to hit a muscle that doesn't even exist. Yeah. Yeah, you're setting yourself and your client up for failure. And what happens when the client gets injured from trying to invert their hand 360 degrees mm. to hit this uh, fictitious muscle? They get injured. And then they pass on that information to other people. Don't go with that trainer. He's shit. Yeah, I, uh, I think that it is, I think it's interesting because we're almost degenerating as a, uh, from a cognitive perspective as a society. We're almost getting dumber because we're getting lazier. If we, if we imagine we were Neanderthals, like when someone created fire, we're like, holy shit, like how did he do that? Let me teach that, like let me teach you, let me learn, and I'm gonna yeah. teach to my tribe, and everyone's gonna learn, it's gonna be amazing. And then the next thing, the next thing happens, you know? Yep. And through, through evolution, like we want to get better, we wanna strive for better, but it's almost like we've hit what we believe is our peak. Yep. And we've got, ah, that's good enough. Yep. I'm just going to chill out a little bit. But if you were freezing your ass off outside, yeah, exactly. and you had to hunt for your food and build shelter, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't be lazy anymore. Yeah, exactly. And I guess that laziness comes back to critical thinking. Thinking is hard. Thinking mm. requires energy. Mm. Why do I want to critically think about something when I can just accept something that I read on Facebook and move on? I agree, yeah. <laughs> you should be able to do that, but it's just not the case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not the case at all. Um, there's such thing in, in science and it, it applies to anything and it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect and it basically is a graph and it says when we first learn about a topic, we think that we're experts in it. So we've listened to a podcast for an hour, you listen to Joe Rogan podcasts about sleep and you think that you're the sleep expert mm -hmm. and the Dunning-Kruger effect says, so if this is a graph and we are starting right at the top of the graph, like this is confidence in my knowledge we call this Mount Stupid because you actually don't know anything. You listen to a one-hour podcast, you've done no research on your own, you don't even know if the guest on Joe Rogan is an expert in sleep, you're just taking it for what it is. And that's why most podcasts will have a disclaimer, the views of the guests are their own interest and not mm. our own. However, as you learn more about the topic, if you're going back to this graph, you start at Mount Stupid, as you learn more and more, your confidence in what you know actually goes down. Mm. And it goes down, it almost looks like a half pipe, like a skate ramp. So you yeah. start at the top, 
you start to go down because you realize that actually the more I know, the more I realize I don't know about said yeah. topic and I yeah. have to keep researching. And then over time, it'll be like a, you, your confidence will start to grow again. That's when you become an expert in that field. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you can just, all right, I know enough, I can stop learning now. Mm. Because if you stop learning, then you're dead. Someone will overtake you. Yeah. So we need to become lifelong learners and we need to, as you said, stop being lazy. Uh, I love what you just said there because any, any sort of person that's top of their field or at least perceived as the top of their field are the first people that will say, I don't know everything. They're quite open to going, putting their hand up and like, I don't know everything. In fact, the more that I know, the less I think that I know. Yep. Even though they do know a lot, they're, they're still open to going, there's still so much more to learn. For sure. But anybody that, again, has done a weekend course or, yeah. you know, has got a couple million followers on Instagram, that, again, this is not everybody, but um, stereotypically yes. believes that they know everything and yep. believes that, oh, you just do this. They give these very one word uh, absolutes of yep. like, this is what you need to do yep. rather than going, what about, well, if you do this, then this could happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Actually use your brain. And mm. I think all of this comes, uh, is where the statement ignorance is bliss stems from. Mm. It's nice to think that you know everything about a certain topic yeah but when you actually do pay that energy and attention you realize that you don't and that should be exciting for people mm. because i get to learn more about this topic that i'm really passionate about but for some people as we said before it's challenging and they're like well fuck that i don't want to do this anymore because it's too difficult mm. if you gave up on everything that was too difficult you wouldn't be able to walk you would have given up when you're a baby you would have been like out oh, crawling much I'm easier good. just gonna stay here yeah yeah <laughs> Imagine that, like, you twenty year old. <laughs> Your parents are still picking you up. Like, get the fuck up. <laughs> You're a big baby. Um, how does that, that critical thinking, or even that lack of, do you think relate to our education system? It's something that I spoke to a lot of different people about. I'd love to know, get your take on it. Is that. I also use this analogy. It's interesting that when we when we struggle with something, say we're at, we're at primary school or high school, we always go to our parents, and they always remember doing the exact same thing. And this could be like 20, 30 years ago. And it's interesting to me to interesting to me to go, okay, are we? Am I really learning the exact same? Yeah, there's going to be the basics. Yeah. You know, one plus one is three. We know, <laughs> but um, there's going to be the basics. <laughs> but no. why can't it be? Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're able to look at that and go, okay, we did this exact same thing in high school. I'm like, okay, is that, from an evolutionary perspective, like something that we need to address and go, okay, surely we should have progressed over the last 30 years or 20 years. For sure. And I think one thing, and it's very cliche to say, but it's true that our education system is designed to teach us what to think and not how to think. Mm -hmm. And they have a set curriculum that they need to teach um, and what essentially happens is you come into school and you're an empty vessel or a sponge and they already have what they want to fill that sponge with mm. written in a syllabus and they pull that straight it doesn't matter what you want to learn this is what you're going to learn and this is the information and this is what you're going to be tested on if you want to be successful in this education system just wrote learn what we're telling you mm. and you'll do really well you'll get a really good grade and then you might be able to go to college and, and or yeah. university and repeat the exact same process because a lot of people like to think the university education system is different but it depends on the students some students will be critical thinkers and they'll think outside the box and they will learn how to think mm. and they will generally do better in the real world maybe not in terms of academia they might not get the hds because they're not just rote learning the content mm. and, and putting that on paper when the exam comes around but if you go through let's say you don't go 
to university just for the sake of an easy conversation. You go through 13 years of schooling in Australia and for that entire time, you are taught what to think and what to remember, what is important in terms of the school system. You graduate, is the person who remembers the most about Shakespeare's quotes going to be the most successful entrepreneur? Probably not, Mm. right? If the person was taught how to think and how to learn and how to be interested in things that they're passionate about, they're going to more likely be successful in the real world and they're more likely going to be someone who you want to relate to and have a connection with because they're going to be fun and engaging and they're going to know things that you don't know and you're going to know things that they don't know and and in combination with each other you learn a shit ton of stuff about the world Mm. but if you only remember what you learned in school and rather than how to learn in school then you're not going to really be successful at all in life and I don't think it's the people who get the A's and the, and the HD's that are the most successful sort of shakers and movers of the world. I think it's the people who are critical thinkers, the mm. people who, who do think about how to think and while they, they have to satisfy the requirements of our education system because you st- do still have to pass courses, their brains transcend simply what's in the textbook. Mm. They know how to look for information, they know what they're passionate about and they haven't my biggest gripe with the education system is I think creativity and curiosity are squashed. Yeah. I think a lot of energy goes into squashing creativity and curiosity because those things aren't going to satisfy your grades in a given subject. So we don't need them. I want you to follow A plus B equals C because that's what's going to get you the grade and that's what's going to make me look like a good teacher and that's what's going to keep me in a job and you passing. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I think a lot needs to change. I think there needs to be some flexibility in the education system. Um, I'm not sure how to do it. I don't work in the department that creates the curriculum. I'm not sure what the right answer is there. But I think creativity and curiosity need to be cultivated and celebrated. And I think that we have to move away from just teaching the same information that your parents were taught mm-hmm. and your grandparents were taught um, and teach things that are actually applicable to life. That would, that would serve the world so much better. And from a, from a government perspective, you want people who are able to come out of college and they're balling, they're making lots of money because they're paying lots of tax, they're mm. employing lots of people. Mm. I don't think you're going to get there just by following the same system that's always been in place. Yeah. And for a lot of people, like, no disrespect to Shakespeare, but just referring back to that, don't you disrespect my man, Will? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure, like, there was... I mean, I don't want to say it's not creative. Absolutely, what he did was creative. But I think a lot of students are just not interested. And when I fin- I, since I finished high school, and not once in university have we ever discussed Shakespeare. So why did I spend so much time from year 7 to 12 in high school learning about a new one of his plays? Like, hmm. Not a new play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a different play mm. in his repertoire. Like, it didn't serve me. It's almost like, like high school, primary school, even like arguably the first few years of university, like a memory test. Like if you're good at memorizing your shit, yeah. you'll, do, you'll do pretty well. But I mean, even as, as sort of unconventional as it is, as children that like we still have these interests, we still know kind of what we enjoy, you yeah. know? And I think that if we went around it and went, okay, well, we need the basics. Like you need to know the base of math, science, English, how yeah, to write, sure. read, all that sort of stuff. But what do you want to do? Like, yep. what are you genuinely interested in? No, you can't play outside all day long. Okay, we're going to give you a few hours there, but you can't do that. Yep. But let's at least guide them and go, okay, well, you know, are you more into art? Are you yep. really creative by nature? Or we can create some sort of test and go, okay, let's do a few different things. Yep. Where are you excelling? Do you really like that? Chances are, as a key, you'll be like, yeah, I actually do. Yep. Cool, let's, let's maybe push you down that path. 
yeah. a little bit more. But we've got the basics covered, so you you know you're gonna go out in the real world at some point. You know you're not gonna you know live in a cardboard box. Yeah. Like we'll be you'll be all right. Um, but we're also able to express what you actually enjoy, what yeah. you're actually passionate about. You're gonna put more effort into it, more work into it. You're That's gonna right. strive to be better. So it's gonna better yourself. It's gonna better the your family as well. You're gonna be happier from a mental perspective, but you're also gonna to want to put more into that and arguably be able to evolve that particular field of study that you're in. Yeah, exactly. And I'm gonna go back to and, and paraphrase this quote, but uh, I think there's genius inside of all of us, but if you judge the ability of a fish to climb a tree, it's gonna grow up the rest of its life feeling stupid. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, I'm gonna say Einstein, but I'm it not was Einstein, sure, yeah. thank you. I'd say that's my memory. Yeah. Um, but that's true. If if a if a student doesn't do well in the current education system because they're just not great at rote learning information that they're not interested in, they could be successful if they find their thing. But they could also grow up feeling that they're a failure and get a a job that doesn't pay very well that makes them feel defeated, deflated, mm. and constantly reinforces that negative bias they have towards themselves that I'm stupid. I could never get an A in yep. class. I constantly got D's. That's not necessarily fair because that student had they been allowed to spend more time in, say, a creative pursuit or maybe a super logical pursuit. Maybe they did really well in math and science, but those two subjects alone weren't a lot enough to bring their grades up to succeed uh, or to get into university into a science mm. course or a math course. They're going to grow up feeling like failures. And should they grow up and have children, their children will probably, through epigenetics, get this feeling that my family's we're doomed to be in this lower socioeconomic group. We're not going to have these fantastic jobs. Mm. We're not going to grow up to be prime ministers or presidents or pop stars or whatever. That's just not us. We're just this lower class family without much brains. Mm. And I think a lot of that stems from the current education system. Mm. And I, I did well in high school because I was great at rote learning, but if I couldn't tell you the first thing that I learned in half of the classes that I did. I, I literally would write down notes and just reread the page like 20 times. Yeah that wasn't very healthy it wasn't amazing I did well in high school but it didn't really serve me after that yeah like I don't do that anymore because it's just it's it's not engaging and it's not how to learn that's what to learn interesting yeah yeah I uh I didn't do that well in high school not horrible but not great but it was always a um something that that I always said when when we did tests um and they said, you know, when you did, let's say, maths, for example, it's like show your working. Yeah. Like they, and you needed to do it in a particular way. And I was always able to, like, not always, please, I wasn't always able to get the answer, <laughs> but I could get the answer. Yeah. And the, the working was always like, they give you quite a, like half a page to do it for the exams that we had in the UK. And I could never feel that. I was like, I don't, I don't know how I got to this, but I know that I took this number yep. and did something with this number and it gave me the answer. Yeah. And I was I always got like a, a tick for the answer. Like, cool, the answer's right, but you also get a, a minus of some sort. Like they take points away from yeah, you, you know, because I could have shown my work. I was like, what the f- why does it fucking matter? Like yeah, I got yeah. to the answer yeah, and yeah, I exactly. give you a rough idea. So it, it was always interesting to me um that and also in, in terms of university it was like you need to give us a three thousand word essay it's like what happens if i could do it in a paragraph yeah do you know what i mean what happens if i could just give you this cool e, e equals mc squared version of what you're trying to do in three thousand words wouldn't that just better everybody yeah exactly you have to spend all your time reading this waffly shit yeah exactly right that's right. probably the exact same as the next person with a few words that have just been changed yeah yeah um so 
You've been looking at conspiracy theories lately? Yes. Oh. Big, big part of our course. Okay. So, can you define what a conspiracy theory is? So, essentially, I, could, I mean, a lot of people have these images of, you know, someone living in their mum's basement wearing... Yeah, like a, a weirdo, yeah. ...tinfoil hat and mm. whatever it might be. Um, but, essentially, conspiracy theory, and we're all... Um, could, could call ourselves conspiracy theorists for some point that is just thinking outside of the box. It's not believing what you're being told and thinking of an alternative and, and putting your, your faith and certainty in that alternative. So um, if an Oreo has a hundred calories and I'm like, I don't believe you. Yeah. It's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> yes. Exactly. On the biggest conspiracy so, theories I mean, in the world. Th- there's obviously the famous conspiracy theories like uh, flat earth or mm. vax versus anti-vax crea- uh, creationism versus evolution. Um, these sorts of things that create a lot of controversy and people all over Facebook are fighting each other. Um, and, and some of them are quite harmful, but then there's also, you know, astrology is considered a, a pseudoscience or conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, superfoods are considered a pseudoscience or a conspiracy theory. Like there's a lot of things that if you believe in it, that doesn't make you a bad person. And I don't even think someone who believes in a flat earth is a bad person. Um, they've just come to a conclusion that is really hard to prove. <laughs> <laughs> you can say stupid. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, essentially the, the definition of a conspiracy theory is believing in an alternative to what you are being sold or told. Hmm. So, I mean, there's, there's quite a lot of like quite famous ones. I can't remember the guy's name for life in me, but when, um, um, when this virus first hit, he basically said it was like major governments doing it to do something with the stock market or some crap. I don't know what it was, mm-hmm. but it was something like that. I'm like... But it came again, like, as many conspiracy theorists do, like, being the Flat Earthers, come out with this um, really almost logical way of, like, why they're right. Yeah. <laughs> like, where are they getting, the, I guess, where, they, where do they get the information from? Because surely there's got to be some kind of truth in it for them to go, well, here's where it is. Or are they manipulating that information in such a way to go, here's what I'm going to show you because I need you to agree with me. Yeah, so there's, there's a few things to that, and I guess that apply to any other conspiracy theory any other major conspiracy theory and usually it's there's fear involved this is a a pandemic there's a lot of people dying we're hearing all about these reports and deaths uh there's a power involved so here it's government and a lot of people are worried about big pharma creating a vaccine that we're going to be forced to to take because they want to you know microchip us or whatever um and it involves multiple countries Right. So whenever, whenever there's power, whenever there's fear, whenever there's multiple countries involved and likely money, mm. if we're talking about big pharma and mm. um, the economy shutting down, people are more than likely to believe in a conspiracy theory because the magnitude is so big. So people always want the logic of something to equal the magnitude. So, um, you know, saying that uh, Princess Diana, for example, Diana that died in the mm. car crash, right? People don't want to... This is another famous conspiracy theory. People do not want to believe that a princess could die drunk driving because drunk driving is not big enough. It's not a big enough magnitude to apply to a princess dying. They like to believe that MI6 and the CIA and whoever has to be involved because they're of equal magnitude. So again, with a pandemic, because it is so big, 
they want to believe that there's such a big power or source behind it. Like the Illuminati. The Illuminati, someone, and it couldn't just be a virus that spread the same way as the common cold. That's mm. just not a good enough uh, solution or, or definition or um, explanation for this. Uh, the other thing, too, is the internet. Very powerful. Everyone has an opinion, and I 100% support free speech. Um, but in, in terms of, let's go to, say, the Flat Earthers, there's probably... I don't know how many it would live in New South Wales, right? But if you live like we in New South Wales right now. But if we didn't have the internet, you probably would go the rest of your life living in New South Wales and never meet another person who believed in the flat earth. Mm. But if you go on Google or Facebook, you can type in proof of a flat earth and you will find billion other people or a million, whoever, however many people believe in it. And they will all have the same viewpoint as you mm. and you've just gone and confirmed your own bias it's literally called confirmation bias you believed in something to be true that's exactly what you search for in the search engine and that's exactly what you found because that's how google works yeah you search for proof of a flat earth google's going to give it to you whether it's true or not Mm. um so in terms of any conspiracy theory all of the proof or evidence always comes out after the fact no one's talking about the government conspiring to start this super bug uh, to affect the economy in any way before it happens. No one's predicting mm. that. However, when it occurs, you can go search for everything that you want and eventually you'll come to a conclusion that suits what you wanted. Yeah. If there's any information in there that doesn't support what you want, you just cut it out of your argument because it's not supporting you. Yeah. Right. So with any, we have what's called the flick model that applies to any conspiracy theory. So anyone listening, you can apply this when you've heard Karen on Facebook ranting about vaccines sorry karen you always cop it but she does cop it she cops it probably a lovely lady i'm sure she is karen so flick model you've got fake experts someone on facebook who doesn't have a degree in anything related to science who's not a microbiologist is not an expert to talk about the coronavirus you're just not so the the argument should stop there but it doesn't the l is logical fallacies so you hear one thing and then you draw conclusions that don't actually relate to that so uh, a logical fallacy, a very common example is it's very hard to picture how the Egyptians built the pyramids, so it's aliens. Like, you don't have any information, so it's, a, it's an argument from ignorance. You have absolutely no proof, but you can't explain it, and we have a desire to have an answer, mm. so it's aliens, right? So that's a logical fallacy. Then we have impossible expectations, so you want the model to always apply, and if it, what you're being told by the government or the media... And if there is even just one example that it doesn't apply, so you've got millions of cases of coronavirus that spread this way, and then here's this other case where it spread another way, you're going to use that one example and say, well, it doesn't happen 100% of the time, conspiracy. Uh, another example of impossible expectations, good old uh, Donnie Trump. Every time it snows in winter, he posts about global warming not existing because it's snowing. How could global warming exist? That's an <laughs> impossible expectation, right? Um, <laughs> The C, the first C, so flick is F-L-I-C-C. First C is cherry picking. So again, this is just the case of going on the internet and looking for proof for a flat earth rather than proof for a round earth. Because why am I going to look for proof of a round earth if I only want to know about a flat earth? There's cherry picking and that's part of not critically thinking. Critically thinking applies to or sort of means that you have to research both sides of an argument Mm. and then come to your own conclusion. If you're a devout christian or catholic or whatever religion you should research what atheists believe so that you understand their side of view or their point of view and then you can come to your own argument you might still believe what you believe first but at least you understand the other side 
Um, so cherry picking is when you just look for the information that supports your argument and you cut out everything else. The final C just stands for conspiracy theory, so that's what we're talking about right now. So that's a model that everyone can sort of apply. Mm. Um, but yeah, generally, to, to really sum up and answer your question, uh, these conspiracy theories stem from the internet, just finding people that support your views. Fear, we're in a pandemic, it's very scary for a lot of people, not just uh, economically, but health-wise, um, and a source of power. Mm. And again, uh, you want something, uh, you want the solution or the real reason to match the magnitude of the problem, otherwise you're not satisfied. And I guess the fifth point of that is humans want to tribalise, so you want to be part of believing the government being a sheep mm. or being the, I don't believe, the pandemic. I think they're calling it the other side of the argument. Um, people want to tribalise and they want to have an answer. Mm. Even if they don't have evidence for that answer, they want to have an answer and so they will. So what is your, um, your stance on the flat earth? Do you believe the Earth is flat, or I believe, or a different shape altogether? A quantum well, of sorts. <laughs> that'd be that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So the Earth, at least what I believe the Earth to be, more the shape of a lemon, maybe a slightly rounder lemon than a the pointy lemon. All right. Or if you think about like a if you've had a chopper chop, how it's a little bit thicker in the oh, middle. More the shape. So it's chop. kind of like a semi squashed circle slash lemon with the poles at What's the top. What's your favourite chopper chop? Oh, couldn't tell you. I haven't had one for a while, but I'd maybe strawberries and cream or something like that. <laughs> I was literally yeah. thinking strawberries and cream. That's why I'm on this couch. <laughs> you have the same chopper chop the, You passed the initial, <laughs> the, cat, the, uh, the initial casting so prerequisites. They knew that the earth was round, I want to say like in the 1600s, right? It was just by looking at the moon. And every time you look at the moon and it's not full, it's because the sun is positioned behind the earth and you've got the shadow on the moon. And when the earth sort of moves out of the way uh, over the course of the month and there's less and less blocking out light from the earth, you get the full moon. But when the moon isn't full, what, what shape is, is left by the shadow? It's round. It's, mm. a, it's a circular shape. If the earth was flat, every now and again, you would have a straight line across the moon. Because you think about a flat... Yeah, right? I've never heard this before, but so yes. They, they knew this. Like in the like sixteen Galileo figure that out yeah, like yeah. probably even before that they knew yeah. um so yeah if you imagine flat object sun here shining light you're going to get a straight line across the moon and that's going to be a shadow um then when they were able to send probes and satellites up into space you've got these clear indistinguishable uh, indistinguishable pictures of the Earth uh, as far as I'm aware no one's ever fallen off the Earth uh, by sailing to the very end of it. Um, and people so, sailed all the way around it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So they, they must have hum- somehow come back to the point. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of proof that the Earth is round. Uh, absolutely no evidence that the Earth is flat. And a lot of people that believed it, that the Earth was flat, um, very religious back in you know, 1500, 1600. And now in mental institutions. Yes. <laughs> also, also believed that we were the centre of the universe and that everything rotated around us. And at the time, any suggestion that that wasn't true meant that you'd be burnt at the stake. So wow. scientists, even if they had indistinguishable proof that the Earth was round and that we weren't the centre of the universe, had to be very careful because otherwise they'd be murdered. Wow. I love the definition of... The definition, the, the uh, moon analogy, it makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. and um, that's again the the benefit of actually sending spacecraft up into space and the satellites and the rovers and all of that. We have a clear picture. And the other thing is, 
I don't hear flat earthers talking about the other planets being flat. If it's you just were, ours. It's just ours. <laughs> so if you were to look at a model of space to them, like we've all seen those models that you probably had to make in year eight or year nine in mm-hmm. science, for them, the model would every single planet would be round and then you just have the Earth as the third planet from the sun, it's just this flat disk and then back to round again. Mm. So it's, yeah, you're I don't like, know. People like to feel special, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Your thought process is flawed a little bit, flat earthers. <laughs> there was a, a man, I can't remember his name, he was one of the leaders of the, I mean, flat earthers, they have flat earth conventions like twice a year. Do they really? Yeah. I want to go to one yeah, and great. dress up as a globe. <laughs> just rock up. <laughs> Um, he built his own rocket, right? Um, because he wanted to, I don't know, somehow. I feel like I've heard of this person too. He died. He died tragically, oh. uh, in, in a desert somewhere. I believe it was in, in Utah or Arizona. He took off into the sky and, uh, he didn't make his rocket too well and it came crashing down and he died. So unfortunately he was going to prove that the earth was flat and I'm sure people think that the government rigged his rocket. Yeah, obviously. Because yeah. obviously your average flat earth it could go out and build a rocket that's just as good as nasa or mm, spacex or yeah. anything like that um so it didn't work out very well but i think the earth is round and we have a lot of evidence of that however as i said um earlier strong convictions loosely held if all of this evidence suddenly came out that said that the earth was flat i would at least consider it mm. and look to not fake experts but actual experts in the field and start to maybe change my viewpoint and be mm. open to it. i can't mm. see it happening mm. But let's say it did. Who knows? So with um, we you mentioned um, the president, what's it, Donald Trump? Yes. Um, talking about global warming. So talk to to me a little bit about about climate change and and glo- I guess global warming and is I mean, do you believe it is a thing? Is it not a thing? Yeah, I totally believe it's, it's a thing. No, just you know. <laughs> yeah. The, the Grinch shooting it out from Mount Trumpet <laughs> on his big snow. So a creator device. I believe Trump's quote was something like, it's it's a freezing day in New York, could show you some of that good old global warming right now, or something like that. Like, it was it was funny. If, if nothing else, as a president, he gives great sound bites that I would, I'm lucky. I think it. he just does it, <laughs> he just, as a team, just to create memes. Yeah. Like, you should say this because it's really dumb and people are going to yeah, say exactly. this. And you it's, will just be trending all the time. Yeah, and you will it wouldn't surprise to be me. The, the ego, like, he, he'd be, he will finish and say there were more memes made about me than any other president. Mm. I win. Mm. Something like that. Um, unless Kanye gets elected and then we'll get probably more there. <laughs> um, so, yes, I very much do believe in climate change, um, global warming. I think it's a, a massive issue that we are all responsible for tackling. Um, in our own little ways, a lot of people won't because it, it creates friction. It means that I might have to change what I'm currently doing that I'm very comfortable in. Mm. Uh, a lot of people have this uh, just, it's called a just world hypothesis, but just person hypothesis in that they think that there's no way that they could be harming the planet because they love the planet. And I'm sure we all do, but that doesn't mean we all can't do something. Mm. Um, so whether it's as simple as, you know, carpooling with someone or choosing a more efficient fridge or washing machine or whatever it is, like you can make your own choices in your own ways, choosing more efficient light bulbs. Um, there's all small changes that you can make and sure it won't make a massive difference on an individual level, but apply that to every individual on the planet. It's going to make a huge difference. And they've actually shown that during this pandemic, our atmosphere has improved so much hole in the ozone layer has repaired there's a lot of things going on because we don't have all of these companies and industries going at the same rate that they were prior mm. to shutdowns so there's proof that we can start the healing process of the planet it's almost 
like a, a cigarette smoker who stops smoking and they start to see repair in their lung tissue and repair in their skin quality and their sleep quality and feeling less agitated and less irritable. Mm. We can fix it, likely, if we all start to make a little impact and, and not think that it's uh, just a responsibility of big corporations and the government. It's, it's a responsibility for everybody. Um, we know, and we've done this, there's a really simple experiment that you could do in a high school science lab where essentially you fill a bottle full of CO2 and then you have another bottle that's just air and you put a heat lamp on them and then you measure their temperature over time and then you take the heat lamp away and you keep the uh, temperature probes in there for another 20 to 30 minutes and you look at the differences and you can see the CO2 bottle is at least 10 to 20 degrees hotter than the bottle without CO2 in it so both the rest of the component is air and it shows how harmful even just in a small bottle you put that on a, on a large scale to our atmosphere um, it makes a massive difference and and 76% of the greenhouse gases that we have in our atmosphere are CO2, carbon dioxide. And essentially what it's doing for people who don't realise how sort of detrimental is that is the sun is always going to beam hot energy down onto the earth. Like we call them photons. It's always going to heat up the earth. But naturally what happens with photons when they hit something is they reflect and they bounce back and they radiate. So radiation is where heat comes from one substance and goes up into the air and disperses. But when the atmosphere is so dense with greenhouse gases, it can't escape. So our planet stays hotter until it's able to escape. And that's not going to happen unless we stop putting shit up into the air to stop mm. the, the heat from escaping. Um, now you have scientists, uh, geoengineers, they call them, thinking about rather than stopping production, maybe we should fill our atmosphere full of like chalk dust so that the sunlight can't get through and then our planet won't heat up as much. And it's a real shame that that's like a solution that they're actually thinking of because it, it turns out that plants need light. Solar, yeah. solar panels need light. I mean, we if only need we needed plants. Oh, I, know. <laughs> I know, right? But that's, that's the, the state that we're in is people are thinking this is our next step because no one's listening, no one's controlling wow. it. The only, I think some countries in Europe, I believe it's, it's France that are actually meeting the targets mm. set. Um, in terms of uh, greenhouse gas emissions and what the, the I guess the goal is is everybody reduce each country in the world reduce emissions by 7.6 to 10 percent per year over the next all the way to, to 2050 and if they can do that they might stop the planet rising 1.5 to 2 degrees which doesn't seem massive like 1.5 to 2 degrees what's that but when you think about that, that's the, that's the global average temperature increase and mm. that means that countries around the equator and countries like Singapore, Kuwait, Qatar, just to name a few, they will actually become unlivable. Mm. They will, a cold winter day for them will become like 45 degrees Celsius, mm, 70 plus in summer. So you look at... New um, holiday destination. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'll get a tan, all right. Go back to the Trump administration. This is an administration that does not believe in climate change or global warming. They also don't believe in accepting immigrants into their country anymore. They don't want to put a wall to their closest mm. neighbours. I'm sure they probably considered putting a wall to Canada, or maybe because people in Canada are white, they haven't considered that yet. <laughs> but they might. <laughs> they figured that out. Yeah, they might. What, what are they going to do? Let's, I know he's only in power for eight years, but let's say somehow they rig it and he's in power forever. What are they going to do when Singapore, Kuwait and Qatar become unlivable? And these people actually need to move. Mm. America's got a lot of free land area. They're going to need to accept some people. Mm. Maybe instead of ignoring the problem and pretending it doesn't exist, they can start to address it, implement some more policies that are actually going to help. 
because at least for his administration then they won't have to accept these people from all these countries and, and Middle Eastern countries included mm. who are likely not going to be welcomed with open arms um, yeah so we can all we can all play our role and if we if we can meet that target um, we can help to prevent the planet reaching that temperature um, increasing by 1.5 to 2 degrees on average mm. and everyone would be better off I mean uh, that that's just talking about the heat but you also think about the rising sea levels and uh, there's, a, there's a misconception there. A lot of people think that melting the icebergs is going to increase the levels of the water. It's actually not. If you, you can do this experiment yourself, if you put some, some cubes of ice in a cup of water, right? And you, you know that when you put ice in the water, it rises a little bit because of the yeah, buoyancy. Smell, yeah. you, can, you can draw a line and look at the level where the water is and wait for the ice cubes to melt. When the ice cubes melt, the water's not going to have gone above that line because as the buoyancy decreases, you're no longer holding the water up. You don't have that weight pushing down and forcing the water up. As those ice cubes melt, they'll just level off and it will be the exact same level. So we're not actually worried about icebergs melting. We're worried about land ice, glacial ice melting, because that's got to go somewhere. That's mm. going to go into the water when the sea levels rise. People and countries that are very populated on the coastline will also become unlivable. Mm. They'll have to retreat further and further back onto the land and you can only do that so much before everybody's they're definitely not going to be social distancing <laughs> um, before they need to also look for a new country. So essentially we'll have uh, many countries on earth that are unlivable, whether because of the temperature or because we literally just don't have enough space to house the people that live here. And they will have to move to other parts of the country. And then we run the risk of just like Venus having a runaway greenhouse effect, which essentially is that there is so much in our atmosphere that no heat can escape at all. Mm. And, and to put that into perspective, uh, Venus is the second planet from the sun. You've got Mercury first, but Venus is way hotter than Mercury, even though the distance from the sun is way further than, than is uh, Mercury. So mm. that shows that if you are unable to release the heat that the sun is putting onto us, your planet is essentially screwed. Mm. And we, sh I mean, a lot of people, they shy away from global warming because it's likely that a lot of the negative effects aren't going to happen until 2050 or beyond. I mean, a runaway greenhouse effect could be way beyond that. Um, but you've got to consider, even if you don't have children, you have to consider yeah. the future generations, right? Yeah. Like if you do have children, then your children's children or whatever. It's the earth that you have right now that you're very grateful for, you should wish for everybody to have mm. or even better. Yeah. And I can't swim, so <laughs> when yeah. that happens, please think of me. <laughs> You're going to have to move to a mountain, my friend. Yeah, I don't mind that. I don't no. want to live in a mountain. Yeah. Mount Crumpet, I'm all about it. I'm all about finding the who's and snowflake. <laughs> well, the snowflake won't be there anymore. Oh, yeah. Don't you ruin Christmas for me, people. And um, so, I mean, obviously being France being the only country that's doing that, there should be, I mean, some sort of... Um, consequence of like if you're not meeting this then you yeah. need to give the countries that are a billion dollars or something yeah. you know something or it's one of your right. first born or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> maybe that'd be a blessing for some people to give you the first yeah, could be. um can have mine <laughs> but you've got to guess my name <laughs> so going like i guess all the way back to conspiracy theory and climate change is one of those is one of the ways that you get people to jump on board and actually start acting is not to make them feel bad about what they're currently doing so sometimes punishment is harsh i know in australia they tried for a little while to do the uh, carbon tax um 
and that just was met with a whole heap of grief because it's costing us money. I don't actually think it was a bad idea. I think mm. you're going to pay tax anyway, and if this tax prevents people from polluting, mm. maybe that's a good thing. Mm. But perhaps a reward system, as you said, maybe not getting a billion dollars from the people, but you put your first bomb. Some sort of reward system, maybe I don't, I don't know. Some sort of economic reward system would probably work the best, whether it's a a discount, a discount on tariffs on importation or something. Well, like a cheese platter every month. Yeah, exactly. I mean, getting that from France would be great. Yeah, right? uh, oh, the Swiss. Yeah, so uh, educating people is one step, and they say knowledge is, I guess, potential power. It's mm. not actually power until you put it into action. Yeah. Um, not challenge them in a way that's going to hurt their feelings or make them feel like they have to do a whole mm. bunch of, of different things that they've never done before. Um, and also, yeah, some sort of reward-based system yeah. that encourages people to to act yeah and as i said the steps don't have to be huge it's carpooling changing your light bulbs you know doing what you can to reduce your energy usage um and there's so many scientists i mean they've got biologists chemists physicists every aspect that you can think of every angle creating new technologies that can actually extract carbon dioxide from the atmosphere they just need more funding to do it on a on a huge global scale yeah and i really hope that in our lifetime and our children's lifetimes that we don't chalk dust up into the atmosphere and, and block out the sun like Mr Burns wanted That's to do because stupid. it doesn't yeah we need the sun yeah as much as it's heating our planet which is one of the reasons that we're here in the first place is because we're getting energy from the sun mm. um, I think rather than put a, a literal big band-aid over the planet we can just change our habits yeah and small simple steps uh, can make a massive difference when they occur on a global scale don't be lazy yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it goes back yeah. to laziness, yeah. right? It's just like, oh, it's too hard. Why do I have to go exercise to lose body fat? Yeah. Oh, it's too hard. Like, why do I have to change my life? It's, it's my lifestyle, you know, choices to help the fucking planet. Somebody else will do it, you exactly. know? Exactly. Exactly. And when you think about the Earth's atmosphere, which is where we house all of our oxygen and everything that we need to survive, it's only 62 miles above the ground, right? So like 99.2 kilometers. So you could drive there in less than an hour if you're on the freeway. It's not very far. Like the atmosphere on Earth to us is like the skin to an apple. It's very thin mm. in relation to our planet. So that's kind of scary. Like we, it's very easy to affect. It's not as, as far away and distant as everybody thinks it is. Mm. And we can we can fix that. We can, we can make some small changes every day that will help to improve this very finite and small really minuscule layer of atmosphere that's protecting us mm. and i think if you can put it into that perspective maybe people will start to make changes it's not this big scary thing that you can't see so it doesn't exist it's it's real and yeah. it's it's really quite close to us mm. i mean you can, as i said you can drive there in less than an hour if you're on the so freeway so someone does a big ass freeway just straight up yeah <laughs> <laughs> like at a gradual angle so that yeah. you don't fall but yeah. that'd be a pretty cool drive <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to get stuck at a red light. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like 60 miles up, yeah. stop. <laughs> Sorry, let the ducks across. <laughs> so if we were to, obviously we spoke about a lot of things today, but if you were just to give one um, one tip on each of these like main topics what that people can apply, what would they be? So with critical thinking, uh, use your brain. Don't always rely on technology. Um, yeah, it requires energy and it requires you to do something on your part, but that's why we are alive, we are living, is to use our brain and use our power and use our energy for the greater good, even if it's just for the greater good of yourself, to learn something new. I think 
developing those critical thinking skills will make you more employable. It'll make you more fun to engage with. Um, and you will learn more about life itself. I think with the education system, I know we discussed that. I think that if you're a student or a teacher, do your best to, to cultivate curiosity and creativity. I don't know how that looks in the classroom. And I guess my, my job as a parent is to allow my child to do his own little experiments at home, whether it's tipping out a cup of water to see what happens. Yeah, it's annoying to clean up and I'm not always open to it, depending on my mood, but it's an experiment. He doesn't know, he's curious. And every time I tell him, don't do that, don't touch that, I'm squashing a little bit of curiosity until the point where he learns doing things like this is not fun, I'm going to get reprimanded for it, I'm just going to stop experimenting. That's when I squash curiosity Mm. and and potentially creativity. So uh, as long as it's not going to harm someone or kill someone, do your best to cultivate curiosity and creativity. You can just join him and let him as I close. Yeah, right exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, this just, is great. Yeah. This is what happens when you throw eggs yeah. at other human yeah. beings. Like, it's great fun. <laughs> exactly. So I just quickly leave the house. Yeah. Um, with the conspiracy theories, you're not a bad person for believing them and conspiracy theorists are not people that, well, some of them might be, but there's people who don't believe in conspiracies that probably also live in their parents' basement with tinfoil hats right. as well. Hey Roger, you yeah. have to stay in the basement! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, I think that we can be open-minded towards people that are presenting conspiracy information to us um, but we also need to be sceptical too you can't just believe, sorry Karen, we can't just believe Karen on Facebook um, we can apply that flick model so fake experts, logical fallacies impossible expectations, look for cherry picking and conspiracy theory um, and yeah, you use your own brain. Again, that will help a lot. If, if our education system provided people with the knowledge of how to think, we probably wouldn't have so many conspiracy theories because people would be like, this is dumb. This is not real. This, mm. is, this is the information. Um, and with climate change, it is real. Um, I know you can't see it. The gas that we're releasing is not purple in the atmosphere, but our atmosphere is only to the earth like the skin of an apple is to an apple. It, it's quite thin. And it is protecting all of life. So if it means that you have to carpool with someone or change your light bulbs in your house, like if that's your small part, that's amazing. Um, And if everybody did their small part, we could really um, sort of change our trajectory and and be much closer to meeting our our emissions targets. Um, And if we have a healthy, sustainable planet for the future, we've done our job. Doesn't sound bad to me. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap, ladies and gents.